0: Thanks for being here tonight. Regardless of what background or belief system you come from, we're glad that you're here. And we're glad that you chose to spend your Thursday night with us. And I believe that your week is going to be better for having been here tonight. So my name is Steve, and I get to direct Kai Alpha with my wife, Erin. And it is a joy to to get to hang out with you guys tonight and all the time. So speaking of hanging out, how many people had fun at the burn on Friday? All right. I am just impressed with you all. It was like 75 mile per hour winds. And you all stayed on the ground. I was really, yeah. And I was especially impressed with those playing volleyball. You had to hit a curveball every single time. You had to bend it like Beckham in order to, like, get it into the to the thing, whatever. Is that an old phrase? Bend it like Beckham? Yeah? Okay, that's, am I old? I'm old. All right, I'm old. It's like, Steve, Beckham hasn't played soccer in, like, 10 years. All right, my bad. Anyways, well, hey, we're glad that you're here tonight. Those of you, any freshmen in the house? Freshmen? Yeah. Oh wow, way to go! All right, you just compl- can we just give them a round of applause for completing their first full week of school. Wow! If you are if you are on the four year plan, all right, you only have 127 of those left, by the way. All right, so. That's actually not that many it's going to fly by, trust me. But without further ado, I'm going to introduce tonight's speaker who also happens to be my wife. And and so I'm excited for you to 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 listen to her tonight. She is one of the wisest women that I've ever met, and and I love it every time that she gets to preach because I always learn a lot. Erin is is a little bit of a Bible nerd, all right, and which is not like a obviously that's not like a diss, all right. That's not like me like you know telling her that that's like really really like a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. That's a very attractive thing, Erin. Anyways, so you guys are going to love the word that she has tonight, and, and I'm really, really excited for it. So without further ado, please welcome Erin to the microphone.
1: Thanks, Steve. Well, we'll start out, start out with a story because I always love stories. Does anyone else like a good story? good i'm glad so has anyone gotten like a good gift but they just didn't understand how good it actually was and so you just didn't react well to it so one of my favorite pavik family christmas stories that gets told almost every year maybe not but pretty close is when back in the 90s steve's grandparents would snowbird in arizona and one year his youngest brother he was six years old they decided, the the parents decided, we're gonna give our kids this incredible gift for Christmas. We're gonna fly them all the way to Arizona to visit their grandparents on Christmas. And they, for context, they never really vacationed out of the Midwest. We're from Minnesota. They never really left the Midwest, so this was a big deal. And they also, nobody, none of the kids had ever flown on an airplane at this point. So also a really big deal. So all of the, Greg's the youngest, and he was six. So all of the other kids, I think, could understand what they were receiving. So they got, each of them got this little box, and they opened the box. They had to open it early, so they knew something was really exciting, because you would never open a Christmas gift early. So they open this box, and there's a new set of clothes in there. And then they pull out the clothes, and underneath that, this is the 90s, remember, there is an actual plane ticket. They, they used to actually print them. I don't know if you knew that. So anyway, there's an airplane ticket to go to Arizona to visit their grandparents. So all of the older kids know what's happening and they're losing their minds. They're excited. But poor little six-year-old Greg has no idea. He doesn't even know there's a plane ticket in there because he's never seen one before. And all he thinks is that he got this huge worked up excitement for a new set of clothes. And he was so disappointed. And the whole family laughs now because I guess they were trying to explain it to him, but he just couldn't wrap his head around what was happening. Because all he could see was just that he had to have a new set of clothes and that wasn't what he wanted for Christmas and so he walks away and he goes I didn't want no clothes and then just walks away anyway oftentimes we receive this gift from God but we don't actually understand what it is and so our reaction we're kind of like Greg in our reaction to God when he gives us this free gift of salvation because we don't fully grasp what we just received from him And tonight, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite Bible stories of a guy who reacted reasonably to the gift of God that was given to him. So we're going to be talking about the story of Zacchaeus, which is a really fun story. We're going to be opening up in the book of Luke, chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And we're just going to go, like, every four verses. So we're going to go through the story really slowly. But it'll all make sense in the end. So, starting in verse one, it says, "Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there named Zacchaeus. He there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And we're going to stop there for a second because the whole story is going to make a lot more sense if you know about tax collectors. So." Sometimes we don't know like historical context of the Bible, and so we just kind of miss things, and they're not as cool as they actually are. So a little brief history. Does anyone like history? We got a few. And if you don't, you signed up for a history class tonight, and it's gonna be fun. Some brief history on tax collectors is that at this time Rome had taken over Israel. And so they were putting on these crazy taxes on the Israelites and making them pay so that they could live in wealth and prosperity. They actually hired other Jews to tax their own people. And so Zacchaeus was a tax tax collector, which is very self-explanatory. So he collected the tax for the Romans, and he got to keep portions of it. Tax collectors were seen as sellouts to their own people. They were seen as betraying them and being the ones that initiate the brutal control of Rome. So they were not well-liked. They were actually pretty much excommunicated from normal society. So Zacchaeus was a hated man. And not only was he a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. He was in charge of it all in Jericho. And so he was not happy, or people were not happy with him, and he was a very wealthy man. So verse 3, it says, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, I love that the Bible includes that. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Which, in context, at the, the average height of this time is figured to be around like 5'5, five five. so to 5'7 at the most. So Zacchaeus was short. And so he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Zacchaeus made a huge effort to go see Jesus. And the first point of this sermon, the first thing that I want us to learn from this passage is that relationship requires initiative. So we're gonna to backtrack to verse one. There's this tiny little verse that says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. If you had looked at previous chapters, which I didn't give you the opportunity to do that, Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem from Galilee. And so I have this cool map I think yes. I'll step this way cuz not everyone can probably see it. So the yellow route, Galilee is up north, correct? So then the yellow route down to Jerusalem is the normal route that people would take from Galilee to Jerusalem. This was like a common pilgrimage that happened. But this time around, Jesus took this green route and went all the way down to Jericho and took a detour on his way to Jerusalem, way out of his way. And to me, this tells me that Jesus was being really intentional about something he had to get done in Jericho. I mean, Jesus is God. He's the son of God. So my guess is he knew Zacchaeus was there. But I can't declare that. But he went out of his way to make himself available for Zacchaeus. Jesus is being intentional in your life. He goes out of his way to make himself known, and sometimes we just miss it. Zacchaeus, on the second part here, it says, or verse 3, it says he wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed a sycamore tree. He did not hear that Jesus was coming to town and decide, I'm going to go hide under a rock and see if he's the son of God and he'll actually find me. Like, he didn't go, like, he made himself available to be seen by Jesus, right? He didn't intentionally hide from him. And there's this incredible, like, just spark of faith that happened in Zacchaeus' life that caused him to go climb this tree. Faith often activates when we make a move to try to see Jesus. And tonight, I don't know where each of you are at in your faith journey, but I just want to encourage you that tonight, like, in your heart, I know this maybe sounds weird, I just want to encourage you to, like, make that step and just climb up one limb of a, t- a sycamore tree and just see who Jesus is tonight. You don't have to make any decisions about him, but just climb that tree and just try to see him because he's making himself available to you. He's showing who himself who he is, his character tonight. And so will you just like take that tiny little spark of faith and climb up that and maybe on, like, take off guards on your heart and just try to see who Jesus is tonight? Jeremiah, he was a prophet in the Old Testament, prophesied that that God said, if you seek me, you will find me. And I can't help but think that Zacchaeus knew that prophecy because he would have been educated to know all of the prophecies of old, and he was thinking about that. If I seek Jesus, I will find him. He probably would have known Jesus's reputation, right? He knew this person named Jesus was coming to Jericho. It wasn't just a random person. like he was intentional about going climb a tree. like so this was an important thing to him. And Jesus is one of his disciples, one of his followers, was actually a reformed tax collector himself. Matthew was a tax collector that got called by Jesus to follow him and he left that. So I can't help but think that Zacchaeus, this man of wealth, must have been like, there's something I'm missing here. And if God can call Matthew a tax collector, what could he do for me? And there's this faith that he has. Oftentimes we want God to do all of the work in our life and us to just sit back and let it happen. But there has to be this moment where we seek him and we will find him, he promises that. And that takes a little bit of initiative on our side. This is the coolest part of this story, I think, and it's right at the beginning, but don't check out after this because it's still cool. Zacchaeus is obviously a Hebrew name, name, and in Hebrew it means innocent, worthy, and pure. Zacchaeus was nothing like that, right? Like, can you just see the irony in that? This guy cheated his own people and oppressed them and helped Rome oppress them even further, but his name means innocent. That's just wild to me. And so he's the exact opposite of who he was born to be. And the word sycamore, the tree, so he could have chosen any tree. Like an olive tree would have been way easier to climb than a sycamore tree. But he chose a sycamore tree. And the word sycamore means in Hebrew to rehabilitate, which is so cool to me. So if you read this story in Hebrew, what you would read was a man called Innocent, climbs the rehabilitation tree to see Jesus so that he could be rehabilitated and established as innocent in public. Jesus Christ rehabilitates us. And if we seek him, we will find him. Jesus wants to rehabilitate and to reconcile you to your proper identity. We're going to move on to the story, and that will show us our next our next lesson we can learn. In verse 5, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. God restores our identity, He restores our identity. The moment that Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus' house, he extended forgiveness to him. At this time, to go over to someone's house and eat with them shows that you approve of them and that you're good. Like, it's the highest honor. You only do that with friends that you approve of and that like are, won't make you unclean to um, Jewish religious standards. Zacchaeus, as he was would have tainted Jesus' reputation. So when Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house, he's making a bold move in extending forgiveness to Zacchaeus, which is really insane. God restored Zacchaeus' identity back to him and to what it was supposed to be, that he was innocent. The sacrifice, now this whole story, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, right? Right? The reason he's headed to Jerusalem is he's about to actually sacrifice his life on the cross for the entire world's sin. And this is one of the last things he does before getting to Jerusalem is he goes and restores Zacchaeus back to innocence, which is so beautiful to me. Jesus' sacrifice that next week provided reconciliation to everyone who accepted. He was now about to offer forgiveness on the table for anyone who would accept it. To reconcile means actually to restore, or if you're looking at it in an accounting type of way, are there any accountants in this room, or accounting majors? No, well, this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of wild, actually, because that's a pretty big major. What are the odds? Accounting would say that a reconciliation is to make one account consistent with the other. So if you can imagine with me, Jesus has this account of who you actually were born to be, that you were born to be a child of God. But somewhere along the way, you moved over to this different identity. We were born into sin. And so you're born in this different identity, but God wants you to be right here with what he actually created you, innocent and pure. And so when you accept reconciliation, when you accept the offer of forgiveness, you get reconciled back to this account That's what happens with forgiveness. Isn't that crazy? You get reconciled, you get brought back to alignment with what God actually says about you and your your identity. And that's what happened with Zacchaeus. And one of the most beautiful parts of the story is that God's grace is actually equally extended to everyone, regardless of their origin story. Our culture loves a good comeback story, right? And we love a good, like, background story. We love to know someone's origin. If you think of movies like that have now come out, like Cruella, I'm not going to, has anyone seen that? So I'm not like, okay, (laughs) I'm not speaking to a bunch of accountants. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, So we love to know why somebody, a villain, does what they do, right? And it almost gives us more grace for them when we realize, oh, they have a terrible background, you know? But we don't often have grace for people who didn't have a good background. But the beautiful thing about God is that he's not us. He doesn't have this weird off judgment that I'll give grace to people I understand, but if I don't understand or agree with why you did what you did, or I don't think that you justified it, like you don't have a bad enough backstory to justify your actions today, I'm not going to give grace to you. God actually gives grace to everyone regardless of where they came from. See, Zacchaeus came from a life of privilege. He was wealthy. Jericho was like the Las Vegas of Israel. It was the wealthiest city. That's where all of the rabbis and priests had their giant vacation palaces. Like this place was rich. All of these merchants would come in, and that's where all these taxes would come from as well, not just the Israelites. And so Zacchaeus was rolling in so much money. He had it all, and he he would abuse people to get what he wanted, but God's grace still extended to him and that's challenging to me who is this god that we serve that just equally throws grace to people regardless of where they came from but it's so it's not only sobering to me but it's so exciting to me because sometimes we elect our we like select ourselves out of god's grace because we just don't think we could deserve it but he equally distributes it to every person who will accept It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your identity currently is. He wants to reconcile you back to his. In verse 7, it says, all of the people saw this and began to mutter. They just started talking to each other about what they thought about the situation. Who's ever done that before? He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They're talking bad about Jesus at this point, which that's just uncalled for. (laughs) So they start murmuring because they don't think that Zacchaeus deserves God's grace either. But do you know what I think is beautiful about Zacchaeus' response is he doesn't care. And in verse 8, it, it shows what his real response is. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I have che- if I have cheated anybody, which he definitely had, out of anything, I will pay back not what I owe, four times the amount that I owe. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And for the son of man, for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Repentance is the only reasonable response to God's grace. Repentance is the only reasonable response to God's grace. We don't we can't act like sweet little six-year-old Greg who didn't understand what he got when we actually see what Jesus gave us. And repentance is the only reasonable response to God's grace in our life. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus in the same moment that he repented. He welcomed him to his house as along with repentance. So normally, restitution is made when we're seeking forgiveness, right? We go to somebody and we're like, I am so sorry. I actually stole from you and here I'll give it back to you. Like, right, you want their forgiveness so you're doing something to earn it, right? But Zacchaeus, his his restitution, his repentance was a response to already being forgiven. And that is the God that we serve. When Jesus Christ died for your sins, he extended forgiveness already for you. And when you accept that forgiveness, that comes with repentance. But it's not repentance so that you can be forgiven, because like your, your sin's already paid for. You just have to accept it so that it can be paid for. The price has already been paid. You just have to accept that. But that comes with repentance. Zacchaeus didn't welcome Jesus into his home and, not, and miss out on the opportunity for God's grace to change his life. He didn't welcome him in and say, like, well, I'm still going to cheat my people out of all their money. But I'm glad you're here. Like, that was not Zacchaeus's. He climbed that tree for a purpose, right? He was looking to be made innocent again. Repentance is our response to Jesus' grace. It's so cool how Jesus says at the end that he seeks to save the lost, And there's this interesting phrase where he says in verse 9, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. So that basically means that he's an Israelite. He's a Jew because he is a descendant of Abraham. And that's where they trace their bloodline back. Did that change when he cheated his people out of money? Did his bloodline change? No. But to his people, he was not a Jew any longer. And so when Jesus says that to him, he says, salvation has come to your house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. That's him saying, I've restored your identity back to my people. And then he quotes another prophecy in Ezekiel that basically says in summary that one day God would come and save, seek and save the lost sheep of Israel. And Steve last week talked about that Jesus Christ is our shepherd that seeks and saves the lost, right? That he goes out and finds the one missing of his flock. And this is like that same principle that Jesus Christ is coming and seeking to save you. And will you just make that step of faith and go and see him? And maybe, just maybe, he's going to welcome himself to your own house, And will you respond with repentance when he does that? Zacchaeus would have been a sellout to his people. Not seen as a descendant of Abraham, but Jesus restored him that day. He made him again innocent and changed his identity. And he wants to do the same for you. The worship team can come back up. A couple years ago, my mom and my aunt Jean came to visit me here in Alaska, and it was really fun because I haven't ever, like, I'm close to my extended family, but I haven't ever had, like, a one-on-one conversation, I don't think, as an adult with my aunt, which was kind of a cool thing. So I never, like, I don't know, maybe you guys are different than me, but I haven't, like, sat down with my aunts and uncles and asked them their backstories before, which is actually a really cool thing. I give you, like, encouragement to do that, even with your parents, if you have a good relationship with them. But anyway, I'm talking to my mom and my aunt, and I ended up asking my aunt, like, when did you become a Christian? Because my parents didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. And I just assumed that my aunt became a Christian because of my mom, but I found out that my aunt became a Christian, and that's how my mom accepted Christ, and I had no idea, and so she was talking about how she was living a life of just, like, indulgence in every way, like anything that she could indulge in that would make her happy, that's what she would go for, and she just felt empty, and so a friend, it was, I think, End of high school, beginning of college, a friend invited her to this Bible study. And so she decided to go. She didn't have like any interest in Jesus, but she's like, maybe this is something. And so she was going for a while, and then one day she was walking home from the Bible study, and it was at night, and she's walking through a cornfield, because it's Minnesota. And she like just was like, you know what? I think this is real. And so she just got down on her knees in this middle of this cornfield by herself and looked up at the sky and said, God, you're real I'm putting my my trust in you and she gave her heart to him and repented and anyway long story short she she became a christian and she brought my my mom's other sister Joe, to come to know Jesus, and then her husband came to know Jesus, and this whole, like, revival started happening in my mom's family, but my mom and my dad would have nothing to do with it. My mom was agnostic, and my dad was an atheist, and they thought my family was crazy, and they were really bummed because they would party with them, and I remember my mom, I don't know, this is, she was like, tell me Like, oh yeah, I used to, like, we would party, I used to make the best pot brownies. And if you knew my mom, you would just laugh so hard because there's no recollection of that in her life. And so anyway, I'm talking to my aunt, my mom about this, and they start telling me all these stories. So my parents eventually became Christians. And I'm so grateful for that, because I would have grown up in such a different home. But my mom and my aunt were just telling some of these old crazy stories, and they were laughing, they're like, you know what? Those old, like that part of our life feels like a totally different person. I don't even know who that version of myself was. It's not even me. And it was this moment clicked in my head of like, Jesus Christ, when they became Christians, when they actually repented, which means to turn away from your sin, it means to walk 180 degrees in the other direction. When they did that, Jesus Christ 100% gave them a new identity. There is no version of my mom that I would have ever thought would have partied. But God gave her a new identity. He healed old hurts. He healed old ways. And he set both of them free. And he wants to do that in your life tonight. And we're just going to pray now. If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm just going to ask a few questions. The first one is if, as I was talking, you feel like God's like, you've maybe seen a clip of Jesus that you haven't seen before, and you want to accept his forgiveness, that open-handed grace that he's been giving you. And you want to accept that and repent tonight and make him your Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I know I'm praying for? Thank you. Thank you. And if you feel like I was sharing how the Israelites, the other, other people were judgmental of Zacchaeus for being extended God's grace, and that's been you, that you struggle with being judgmental of people and not being able to extend grace to people because you don't maybe agree with their backstory or, or whatever it might be, and you want to ask God for forgiveness for that and set your life right in that way. If that's you, would you just raise your hand tonight? maybe you felt tonight that you aren't able to be restored you kind of feel like you've you're you're called to be something different but God would not restore your identity if that's you would you just raise your hand so I know I'm praying for we're gonna start by praying for the first we're gonna do something a little different tonight we're all just gonna pray out loud together Maybe you've accepted Christ as your savior before and you can still pray this prayer along with all of us, but we're gonna pray out loud a prayer of just repentance, but also asking Christ to be our Lord and our savior. So I'm gonna pray line by line if you guys would just repeat after me. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I accept that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I ask you to be my savior tonight and give me a new identity. Amen. If you made that decision, I would love to talk with you. Steve would love to talk to you and just give you the next steps or any of our Kyle Fuss staff, but I'm going to pray over those last two things right now too. God, I just pray over every student that has felt just that they're not able to extend grace to other people. Um, that they're quick to judge. God, I just pray that you would set them free from that tonight, God. That they would just so quickly, when they see something that they could judge, that they would also be reminded of your grace, that it's extended equally to all. God, that they would have compassion for other people and that you just expand their heart to be able to love people well. And Lord, I just pray for every student that feels like they just have done too much to be restored. That your grace might just pass right over them and that it's not for them. Lord, I just pray right now that they would feel just a tangible sense of your love and your grace right now in the name of Jesus, and they'd just be set free from any shame that's been holding them back. God, I thank you that your word says that that your blood covers our sin. God, that when your sacrifice was made for us, it covers the shame and the guilt of our sin, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you that your grace truly does set us free and give us a new identity. In your name, amen.